So if you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of Romans. We're continuing to go through the book of Romans. We're going to be in chapter 8. We're going to pick up at verse 9. And I want to encourage you to stay with us every Sunday because you got to study and know the scriptures, the, the text within the context. And as you go through the book of Romans, this is just like any other book, but this one's methodically, strategically laid out. So we're in chapter 8 now after discussing about how you can be saved, how through Christ you are justified, and it's justified, never sinned, now what? So that's what chapter 6, 7, and then even 8 are for as we get into this. So please stand with me if you're able to. We're going to pick up starting from verse 9. And today, uh, at the end of service, just like every first Sunday, we're going to partake of communion. We have that to the side here for our church family that wants to partake. And so Romans chapter 8, we're going to pick up at verse 9. Romans 8, verse 9, it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for salvation through Jesus, through Yeshua, our Messiah, our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins. We thank you for your love. You tell us, Lord, that you love us so much that you sent your only begotten Son. That's Jesus the Messiah. You gave him over to be the final and only sin sacrifice for our sins. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are our great high priest and yet our final and only sin sacrifice that the Father will ever accept. And you willingly gave yourself for us. And so now you birth us into this new family. And Heavenly Father, we can call you our Heavenly Father because of Jesus, your Son. And now we are your children not because of who we are, but because of who your son Christ is and what he has done. It's nothing that we can do. All we can do is believe and receive, repent from our sins and accept you. And so, Father, we thank you for salvation through your son Jesus. We thank you for his death, his burial, his resurrection. And now you've given us new life. And now we got to learn about this new life that is in Christ. But, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Can you please empower us by your spirit? That we can crucify, so to speak, the deeds, the lust of the flesh. That we would be pleasing to you. We could be led by your spirit. We're no longer in bondage to the flesh, but you've given us freedom. It's by your spirit. But we ask you, Father, can you please empower us for your glory and yours alone. For we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat if you would. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about... Adoption, the adoption process that you and I have gone through. And if you grew up like I did, then maybe this is going to be something that will minister to you. So when I was growing up, my earthly father, I didn't know until later on, but 
I didn't know what was happening because I, I grew up and I, I wanted him to love me, but I didn't really get that sense that he loved me. He actually didn't tell me verbally all that much. Me and my sister used to kind of play this game. Some of you guys may have. And when I was growing up as a kid, we called it to love. So you say, I love you, so that you hear back what? I love you too. <laughs> it's kind of prompted by self. And so I always kind of wanted to hear that. I, I grew up not thinking that my dad loved me, but that he hated me. He even had like these mean names he called me. And I looked at that now and I go, wow, I praise God that he helped me. He healed me. And I'm kind of still in therapy, if you know what I mean, right? So if that was you growing up where maybe your earthly father was not loving you, you didn't feel accepted or wanted by him, then maybe today this is a day where you could be ministered to. I pray that's every day for us. But we need that. I don't know about you, but I need this. And I need this, need this loving, refreshing reminder that my earthly father may not have been what I would choose, but it kind of set me up for my heavenly father and his love and his grace and his mercy. Amen that I was now an open, very receptive, not at first, but you know how it is, but I was receptive to his love as he would break through. But he would tell me constantly over and over about his love. When you read the scriptures, he tells you about his love. And when he wants to prove his love, who and what does the Heavenly Father point to? To Jesus Christ and him crucified. Proof of his love for you and I. And so today, I want to talk to you a little bit about adoption, how my Heavenly Father, and if He's your Heavenly Father, how He's adopted you. And as we see here in Romans chapter 8, for this life now that's in Christ, empowered by the Spirit, your Heavenly Father will tell you over and over throughout chapter 8 here of what the Spirit of God will be for you and in you and through you. So today we're going to learn a little bit about, as born-again children of God, that we've gone through an adoption process. So think about this, an adoption process. God becomes our Heavenly Father. And when He gives birth to us spiritually, He's going to adopt us into this thing called the family of God. We also call this the church, the global church, not just this individual church. But as you and I have gone through this adoption process, the Lord's going to show us many things in this passage, in Romans chapter 8 alone. Like I mentioned last week, in this chapter alone, you've got references to the Spirit of God at least 19 times. I mean, think about that. One chapter. This is one of those must-know, must-read, must-study chapters to learn about the Spirit of God and what your Heavenly Father has given you already to empower you, to equip you, to dwell within you so that you can live this life. But you must do this not any longer in the flesh, so we're going to learn some of the things in this passage that will happen as a result of God adopting you. So get ready. <laughs> some of this has already happened, okay? And some of this you may need to see as it's happening within you. So as we picked up in verse 9, Romans 8, verse 9, we're just picking up where we left off last time on their journey through chapter 8. It says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now notice in verse 9, we learn that when you're adopted by God, the Spirit of God dwells where? Point. Where is it? He, he lives within you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if you're 
Like, okay, I need to feel it, I need to sense it. It's not a, a feeling. That can come and go. Don't, by the way, don't obey your emotions. Anybody know that you can be tricked by your emotions? Your heart, don't obey your heart, okay? That's wrong. But when a person is adopted into God's family, quote, the Spirit of God dwells in you, end quote. That's what it says. Jesus also taught this. John caught this in his gospel, where Jesus tells us that all three, Father, Son, and Spirit come to dwell, abide, reside within you. So when you're adopted into God's family, the Father gives you a new birth. It's a spiritual birth. And along with that, it's like he supersizes it. Along with this, your spirit, which because you were born into sin in this fallen world because of Adam and Eve, like we learned earlier, because of this book teaching us through one man sin entered in. Who was that? Adam. So now we're born into this fallen world because of and into sin. And why do we sin? Because we're sinners. We had an identity as, as a sinner from birth. And so now God's got to give us a new identity. It's no longer in Adam. It's in who? In Christ, in Jesus Christ. And when he comes to live within you, he gives you a spiritual birth. So now your spirit is now alive, formerly dead. That's why when you read this book, the sword of the spirit, that's right, sister. You read this book, it's the still, small voice of God sometimes. It seems like he's shouting, right? Whereas maybe you read this before. Who, who here could testify that before you were born again, before you had a spiritual birth, this book did not speak to you at all whatsoever? That was me. Any of you guys? Oh, look at this. Lift up your hands. Can you testify to that? Look around the room. And then now you know after he comes to live in you, the Spirit of God dwells in you, he's the author according to 3 and 4. The author of the Bible is the, the Spirit himself. And now who could testify that after he lives in you, now he's going to speak to you through the Bible. Is that any of you? So we have to learn to discern his voice and how he speaks. So when you're adopted by God, God's spirit dwells in you. The father gives you a new birth. It's a spiritual birth. And his spirit comes to live inside of you. And now your spirit is alive. Also, when you're adopted by God, God's Spirit gives you life. Look at this in verse 10. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is what? Is life. Spirit is life. When you've been adopted by God into God's family, the Spirit Himself gives you life. It's this new life that's in Christ now. And the Spirit of God doesn't just give you a birth, like birthing a baby and say, I'm going to leave you at the hospital. I'm going to go and you take care of yourself. Here's a, a bag of diapers <laughs> and a box of baby formula. Go and take care of yourself. Clean up yourself. God doesn't do that, does he? He's a loving Heavenly Father. So what does he do? He gives you the Spirit, which gives you life, and he's going to teach you about life. Make sense? That's what he's trying to do. That's why you're here. He's trying to teach you and I about life. He wants to teach you how to live your life in what? Notice it says the spirit is life because of what? What does it say there in the text? Righteousness. And we learn, remember, we quote this earlier, that Jesus tells us the spirit's job is to convict the world of what? Three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. So it's the spirit's job. Hey, can I just say at this junction, maybe someone needs to hear this, that we need to, Allow the Spirit to do His job. 
to do his job. So what's he going to do? He's going to clean up your heart and life, isn't he? Anybody testify to that? Oh, anybody know he's doing that right now? He always is. We have to look for that one thing that he's trying to clean up. At least one thing at a time. Praise God he doesn't barrage you. Like, thousand, here's, Drew, here's 10,000 things you need to change right now. Let's do this makeover right now. He doesn't do that. It's at least one thing at a time. So his job is to point out things like sin. Drew, don't do that. Righteousness. Look at the righteous works of Christ. You need to do good works unto righteousness, not for salvation. It's for the saved. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2 verse 10, right? So he's going to convict your heart away from sin and toward righteousness and even looking at the righteous works of Christ. He's going to keep you accountable too. That's his job. He's trying to do this. So don't blame God and don't blame God's spirit when you get saved. It's like, leave me alone, God. <laughs> I, I would feel like that sometimes. Anybody feel? Okay, so at least one person knows that. Lord, you don't leave me. You keep me on a short chain. I like that. I need that. But I got to remember too, even as I open up, that my loving Heavenly Father, as He adopted me, you see, these are things that I wanted. When I grew up, I grew up as a knucklehead kid. Because I had really little parental supervision. My dad left our family when I was like two, three-ish. And so I grew up going to the babysitter after school. But babysitters were great. The problem was they had kids that were older than me, much older. And some of you guys know that you hang out with much older kids, you can get in trouble. Plus, we're pretty much on the streets most of the time. This is a sweet, loving family. They'd let us just wander the streets. Me and my friends would go and, hey, what is that? I don't know. Can we smoke it? And we would just do that. We would look at stuff in the backyard. We'd go to the park. We would do that. It's, I look at it now. I'm like, I can't believe I was so foolish. But that's why kids need parental supervision. right? And so I got into stuff that I shouldn't have gotten into. And I realized as a, as a kid, what I now know now, as a kid, I wanted someone to tell me, hey, here's what you do. Don't do this. Do, do this. Okay? I, I'll show you how to live life. I needed someone to mentor me, to disciple me. And now I do. And that's my Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. And if He could do that and heal me, can He do that with you? Yes, He can. So maybe this is someone, maybe you're someone that needs to hear this today. Uh, by the way, this passage reveals an important truth of many. And what is that? When you're born again, when you become God's child, he equips you with his spirit. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to teach you how to obey him. He's going to teach you not just truth, because he's the author of this word of truth. He's going to teach you how to apply his word of truth. And he's going to... How many of you know he's going to give you those holy papals, right? Any of you guys know that? He's quick to do that, isn't he? You have to embrace that. I need to embrace this. So God's supernatural power is how you're going to overcome those lusts of the flesh, like we talked about in chapter 7. How do I make it so that I'm not going through that Romans 7 loop? You guys remember, right? Those things that I know I shouldn't do, I end up doing. And those things that I should do, I end up not doing. And then... He's going to illuminate things within your heart and mind. Oh, wretched man that I am. You can see your own wretchedness. And that's good. Why? Because you need to get to the end of yourself. Not just for salvation, but for sanctification. Where God's continually setting you apart for His usage, His glory, and His alone. But you got to get to the end of yourself and say, I cannot get saved on my own, and I cannot do this walk or work 
with you unless you empower me. Okay? And so if you're there, just confess your sins to God. Sorry, God, that I've been trying this on my own. You got to get to this or else you never get into it. As we look at contextually, looking at chapter 8, where we get past that whole Romans 7 loop of, man, I'm just seeing my own wretchedness. Am I, I have a prayer life, but it's all repentance. Oh, sorry, God, I, I, I did this sin. Sorry, don't look here again. Oh, forgive me, God. And, and then after a while, that Christian, what, what happens? They get bummed out, burnt out, and they drop out. I'm telling you, that's extremely common. That's happened to me a couple of times. That happened to anybody? Very common. So you've got to know that these things go on. So God designs this in what we call that life in Christ so that he's not going to leave you alone. Not just for salvation is Jesus the Emmanuel, God with us, but he's going to stay with you and help you by giving you someone just like him, the helper, the comforter. And he wants to help you and I through these things. So the spirit is life. I'm going to have to just continue on here. So notice this in verse 12. Another thing that happens, you come here today and you're like, all right, tell me some good news. All right, so I'm going to tell you something that might be a challenge for you to hear, but it's scriptural. I'm going to share this on the screen. This comes out of my Bible study software. Notice this in verse 12. It says, therefore, brethren, we are what? Debtors. Debtors. You come here today and you're like, yes. <laughs> hallelujah. You got like a low volume hallelujah there. Brethren, we are debtors. I want to show you this word. Debtors. Basically, one who owes another. That's what it says here. We're debtors. When you've been adopted into God's family, we are debtors to live according to the Spirit of God. Did you know that? A lot of Christians call themselves Christians, but literally the term Christian means you're a follower of who? Of Christ. That's a literal sense of that English word. Then follow Christ. But he'll give you the empowerment. He'll equip you. He'll give you the ability. And it's a supernatural ability. I can't do it. And I can't do it for you, but he can. All right? He's going to equip you to do everything that he commands you and exhorts you to do. Praise God for that. But you're a debtor. A debtor is literally one who owes another. So Paul used this word as he opened up this book that we call Romans. In chapter 1, verse 14, he says that he was a debtor. The context there is basically, I was a, I'm was a debtor to preach the gospel to all people. And he considered himself that. And then here in chapter 8, he uses that same exact word. By the way, it's only used a couple times in the Bible. Not very, not very much, let me just say. But here in Romans 8, verse 12, he uses this term for debtor to describe that for God's adopted children, we are debtors to do what? To put to death the sinfulness of the flesh. Do you know that you owe nothing to the flesh? You might need to hear this. You owe nothing to the flesh. Anybody know that you get nothing but death out of following your sinful desires of your flesh? Anybody know that? You owe nothing to your flesh. Your flesh is like, no, no, no don't tell them that. <laughs> Help them to believe the lie. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I, I'm, I must accommodate the things of the flesh. It's okay. I can handle this sin. Your flesh is like, good, let's do this. Why? Because your flesh does not want to die. In order for your flesh to die, it's as if the Spirit of God will illuminate a cross in your life. That's why Jesus says in Luke 9, verse 23, if anybody wants to come after me, anybody want to be a disciple? Who wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? So here's what he says in Luke 9, verse 23. If you want to come after me, 
let him deny self. So forget the fake preachers and false prophets that will tell you to embrace self, to live for self, or it's your best life now. That is proof that God's real and the Bible's real and we live in the last days. He says, deny self. You want to be a, a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, he says, deny self. Second, he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Simple three-step process to be a follower of Jesus. Deny self. Whatever your dreams, ambitions, goals, desires, you have to die to it. But I went to school, but I paid a lot of money for this, but I spent a lot of time. Who cares? Kill it. If it's of God, he'll resurrect it. But I know he won't. Then stop embracing the lie. <laughs> Break up with that lie. If you have to. So deny self. The selfish desires of the flesh. We all must do this. You've been adopted into a new family. Satan is no longer your God. You are no longer your God. God wants to be God. But you have to dethrone self. If that's the case. So that he can be enthroned. Deny self. Step two. Take up your cross daily. Was the cross something that Jesus had to do for himself? Did Jesus have to die for his own sins? No. Something you would do for someone else. You could also call that ministry. But I don't want to serve people. I want them to serve me. Exactly. Your, your flesh is selfish. That's why you don't want to serve anybody. Well, when you serve, you got to, like my son Joshua, I prayed for him. He was like hurting today. We're like, okay. He came regardless. God started like helping him. Keep him in prayer. He wasn't feeling all that great. But I look at that and go like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. For a 13-year-old kid to want to serve God and to be here with you. I, I need to follow examples like that. So as I deny self, take up my cross daily. He said daily in Luke 9, verse 23. Check it out in your Bible. It says daily, not monthly, not twice a year. Oh, I'm going to serve God at Christmas and Easter. That's it. No, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christ follower. Take up your cross daily, and then you'll do what? Follow him. Okay, so he's going to a cross, and the way that the Spirit of God is going to illuminate for you and I is that he's going to point out your cross. Your cross is not your marriage. Oh, or this job. Oh, gosh. It's cross I bear. Oh. <laughs> oh, this, you know. What are you doing for someone else? You do that to benefit you. You do that to pay the bills. What are you doing for someone else? I'm not here to be legalistic with it. But think about this. Well, they're going to reject me. But they're not going to like me. Think about it now, statistically. We don't know the number, but statistically, do you think the majority of people alive on this planet right now reject Jesus and his work for their salvation? Yes. Did Jesus still go to the cross to die for them? Yes. It might be that way for you and me too, right? As we follow him in his ways. But you are a debtor. You owe nothing to the flesh. You must kill the flesh, so to speak. I remember in Bible college. <laughs> kill the flesh, kill the flesh. Die to self. Deny selfishness. Deny yourself. So a debtor is one who owes another. And if you think about this, look at this through the lens of adoption even. A fatherless child gets picked by their new parent. He chose you. He picked you. Ah, but Lord, do you know what you got? Yeah, you know what he got. He, he got a mess when he got my life. And he, he takes that mess. He empowers you, equips you. Betters you through his grace and through his ways. So he takes a mess and makes a what? A message out of it, right? Powers you through that test and now it's a testimony. 
But will you allow him to do that? You need to. I want to encourage you to do that. He's still doing that work within me. So you need to take note that you are not a debtor to your flesh. You owe your flesh nothing. Think about every time you've obeyed your flesh. I only know my own life and how many times I have obeyed a lot of... Can I just say so? It's a big theological term. Stupid. (laughs) A lot of of stupid things. Sorry. I tell my kids when you say it that way, it's a spicy word. (laughs) That's what we say. It's a spicy word. Yeah, very spicy. <laughs> so you owe the flesh nothing. Your flesh only got you and I into trouble. Think about this. And because of some fleshly, lustful things, we could actually be paying for it long term because God tries to warn us. Because sin is bad and it's going to hurt you. So life of sin, it's only going to hurt you. It's, and in many cases, it's going to kill people. And it's definitely going to kill your walk with Jesus Christ. It's going to destroy your walk with God. So living a life thinking you're a debtor and somehow obligated to obey the sinful lust of the flesh, we already know that, don't we? You know that. You're obeying the, the demands of your flesh, the desires of your flesh, it's just going to destroy your life. Anybody know that? I know that. You know that. So let's not do that anymore. And... Part of what we need to know is what does God's word say? What's his opinion about this for your life in Christ, in his family? And he is your heavenly father wanting to lead you. He'll empower you through the spirit. You have the spirit of God living within you. That's what we learn here. And also you are not in debt to the things of the flesh that led you to death. But you're in debt, you're a debtor to live in the walk in what? In the spirit. If you can consider that, wow, God. I mean, maybe take some time to simply pray to God and thank Him for all the things. God, I thank You for salvation. God, I thank You for my marriage with my wife Susan. I thank You for my family. I thank You for my church family. I thank You through this family. You're teaching me about Your love, Your grace, and so many things, dozens of things. And now all of a sudden, I get the sense where, wow, you're verbally saying it right now. I get the sense of, I just want to thank You more and more. And this is something holy. This is something that God wants you and I to be in, to get his opinion that you would feel that you are in debt to him. You're not having to pay him back for salvation. Okay, You're not paying for your salvation. But you're a debtor to no longer live according to the flesh, but to live according to the spirit so that you can be what? So that you can be spirit-led. And for somebody here, this might be one of the things, one of the hooks in your heart and mind in God's word empowered by the spirit that you need. So you can go, okay, Lord, I get that sense where I'm in debt to you. Well, I no longer want to live life for self. I want to die to all those dreams, all, all those ambitions in life. Because it's, if it's not of you, then it's going to mount for nothing in eternity. So notice this, that by the spirit you put to death the deeds of your body. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your body, is what it says. Verse 13. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. Do you know the Holy Spirit's going to help you to crucify self? I remember hearing from another person. Crucifixion is one of the only ways where you can die and you cannot do it in your own hands. If you go to nail in the nails, you're like, oh, I need help for this one. (laughs) Someone else has to do it. 
And who is that someone else that's going to help you to live that self-crucified life? It's the Lord. The Spirit of God. That's His job. He's already, for the boarding and Christian, He's living within you. And maybe, I'm not going to ask you to, to, to raise your hands, because maybe He's already preaching this to your heart right now, to somebody here. That He's wanting you to be led by Him, but your flesh is in the way. Whatever that is. It could be sexual morality, it could be drugs, alcohol, all the selfish things that we get into in life. There's a lot, dozens of things. But he's going to help you to crucify your sinful and selfish deeds and those selfish ambitions in life. If you want to grow and mature in God's ways, it's the only way. It's the only way. God's growth plan for your life is you put these deeds of the flesh. You've got to put them down. You've got to kill them. You've got to crucify them. Let's continue on. We're going to learn now, when you're adopted by God, that God's Spirit wants to lead you. Look at verse 14. He says here, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are sons of God. Are you led by the Spirit of God? doesn't mean you're not His child. He wants to lead you. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Adoption. He wants to have you be led by the Spirit of God. But in adoption, the adoptive parent now assumes the total and permanent legal responsibility for the adopted child. Now, I didn't understand. I had to look that up. <laughs> I didn't understand it in that succinct way in the English language. But I remember even when I moved here, I knew beyond knowing that God wanted me to be here. Post 9-11, he moved me out. It was February 2002. I moved out. I moved into a one-car garage apartment here in Middle Village, Queens. And didn't have much money. I had a Bible. I had my faith. And I had my calling. And that's about it. And after getting here, and by the way, you need to know this if you're going to be a missionary. Sometimes you can say yes because you know beyond knowing it's God. And then later on you take a step and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> that can happen. You can freak out. And I was starting to freak out in my flesh a bit. But this one thing I knew. That God, if I'm in the center of your will, that for missionaries is the where. What continent, what country, what city, what people? Like, where is it you want me to be? And I work with a lot of missionaries. That that's, that's a thing that plagues a lot of missionaries. But I knew that where you want me to be. And God, if you want me here, you're going to take care of me. And worst possible scenario, you brought me here to glorify you through my death. I don't think that's the case. I hope not, but I don't think that's the case. Because I needed a job. I didn't have money. And that's that's just how simplistic my faith was. I, I love that time. I wouldn't change it for anything else. But I sort of took this attitude that, Lord, if you are my Heavenly Father and you decide for me to know how to hear from you and how to... ...getting up and going and doing what God's wanted me to do. If you want me here, then I'm your problem. That's just my language I talk to him with. Not in a bad way, not irrespectful. It's just, you got to take care of it because it's your name on the line, not mine. My job is just to discover your will and then simply to do your will. So I'm here to do what you want me to do. And I look at you guys and like, ah, oh, where's my faith? Because I wanted to quit like the first couple of years. It's really, it was a struggle. So he wants to lead us, but you need to understand it could be an issue for you that I still go through in my heart. It's that one tricky word. It starts with a T. It's five letters and ends with T. Second letter is R. Trust. 
Will I trust God? And then right away, all the what ifs come into your mind. Like, what if I say yes? And now I'm going to be a missionary. Or like that guy, you're going to send me across the nation. That's my calling. But each and every one of you have some kind of a calling with God. you got to, as we say, answer that call. Whatever that is. And he wants to lead you. Look at this again. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For he did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Do you know that the ways of the flesh, that was bondage, wasn't it? And that's living in fear. So when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, and he's wanting you to take a step of faith, it could be Peter stepping out the boat, or whatever illustration you want to use, God's wanting you to take that step of faith to trust him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Who here can testify that that's my problem many times? I'm leaning on my own understanding. This noggin gets in the way. I'm calculating. I'm an analytical person. I calculate stuff and, and a lot of times like I, I con myself out of following God. So you know what he had me do many times? It might not be the same for you. I remember I had a house in my name in Orange County, California. Beautiful place. He had me one day. I want you to sell it. Like, what? <laughs> you think that's not the Lord? What? He had me do it. I got rid of it. I had a, a wonderful car, a better Toyota Camry than what we got now. And we're talking a long time ago. Almost all paid off. Get rid of it. Like, okay. Now what? I didn't figure out till later on when 9-11 happened. That was a catalyst to move me out. But if I had those things, like a house in my name, I know how I am. I'm not sure you guys are this way. But if I would have got the call from God to move out here, I know what I'd do. Ah, can't be from God. Like I got this house out here. I got all these things. All my responsibilities. All my friends and family. Church life. Beautiful connected church life with all these these folks connected to the Bible College. Calvary Chapel Bible College. It's like for for Calvary Christians, it's like Mecca over there. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna leave this. God wouldn't call me that. In fact, I thought he's gonna call me to a different place in California, a place like a Thomas Kincaid painting. Beautiful <laughs> by the streams. I could just walk with my Bible up to some grandpa and grandma on a porch and just talk to them about Jesus. That's my romanticized thought of God's calling in my life. But nope, there's a call of man and the call of God. I'm like, New York? (laughs) New York? What? (laughs) But it's simply what God wanted. So when he adopts you, he's going to take care of you. You need to know that. He's going to take care of you. But God, I need to... Trust you. It's hard to even say that, right? Trust you. Oh, Lord. I have to trust you with everything? Okay, my finances, I understand that. Okay, this, but with my life? Yes, you have to trust him with your life. He wants to be the one that leads you. Are you led by the Spirit of God? Now, I want to point something else out here because we learn this in Christendom today in America and... Many times it can be wrong. So the Heavenly Father adopts us. He gives us a spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And notice what he says here in Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now who here has ever heard that taught that, oh, he's your daddy, you call him daddy, 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 daddy. That's very common today. Uh, That's actually wrong. That word Abba is only found three places in the Bible. 
here in Romans 8.15 used by Paul, there in Galatians 4, 6, and 7, where I quoted here, and once by Jesus. It's only found three times in the Bible. And that word simply means father. Now it does denote within context a more intimate relationship with God. But he's yes, he's your heavenly dad. But I think a lot of us, we might take it a little further past where the scriptures say, it's like, he's your daddy. He's my Abba daddy. My daddy daddy. He's my sugar daddy. He's my... And then we start going too far. We, I'm just saying, we start going too far. Oh, he's, my daddy's going to take care of me. I'm going to ask for a million bucks. No, he's your daddy. Ask for 10 million. And that's where, you know, we got to be careful because it goes too far. Abba denotes an intimacy with God, but it doesn't mean daddy. It really doesn't mean that. Okay, so just to understand, to clarify here. So this is why we've got to teach throughout the entire Bible. You leave no stone unturned. You're going to get a lot of heresy that's just revealed and kicked out the door simply by reading and understanding the Scriptures. All right, so the Spirit of God is going to help you to cry out to your Heavenly Father. But I don't know how to pray to you. That's why He's going to give you part of Him. The Spirit of God is going to come live within you. And he says this in a similar sentiment in Romans 8.15. Paul also wrote, by the way, in another book that we call it one of the books of grace. Romans is considered the book of grace by many Christians. Three books are considered books of grace in the Bible. Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. And he says a similar sentiment in Galatians 4. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. It just means Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So the Spirit of God is going to help you cry out to your Heavenly Father. He's going to help you cry out. But I don't know how to pray. We're going to get into that later on in this chapter. He's there to help you. The Spirit of God here is called the Spirit of Adoption. I love that. He doesn't just adopt you. He gives you the Spirit of Adoption. And He's your helper. Do you think He's going to help you? How many of you know he's trying to help you right now? How many of you know you are getting in the way of his help? Then let me just lovingly encourage you. Why do you do that? Receive his grace gracefully. Sometimes I'm the one that's in the way. I don't have the ability to read your guys' hearts. I know my own stupid self. Sorry. Spicy words there, mommy. (laughs) So I can get in the way. So he's going to give you the Holy Spirit so that you can cry out to your new adopted father. That's why he gives you the Spirit. That's why he gives you the helper because he knows you and I need help. And you need to know this. He gives you the comforter because he's going to comfort you in and by and through whatever you're going through. But understand that as you pray, you're going through the storms in life. Oh, Lord, get rid of the storm. It might be that he doesn't take away the storm, but he might give you what through the storm? Peace, comfort through the storm. You got to know that. Verse 16, and then we're going to close here as we go. We're going to end at 17. So when you're adopted by God, God's Spirit's going to witness to you that you're God's child. The Spirit himself, verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Notice it says here, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know, as Christians, many times we're, we're not willing to suffer, right? We look at God's comfort and we'll, we'll replace it with our fleshy comfort. Oh, that's not of God. Look, I don't, don't take that job. That job cut in half, man. 
Right? I want a lot more money. I'm praying that God give me this. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What are you talking about? Is we, we flippantly quote these things and yet we forget the will of God and the word of God, don't we? Ways of God. Sometimes when he adopts his child that you and I, we can be fearful. Notice, we might not want to, quote, suffer with him in our fleshly bodies. Why? It could be simply fear. Fear of the unknown. But how about this kind of a fear? Or I should say having faith. Lord, what if I totally trust you in my current predicament? I trust you now and I trust you for the outcome. Now I'm going to obey what you're telling me in the spirit. Those things that you convict my heart for. Even those little things I think, ah, that's kind of off. I'm going to obey those things. What if I trust you? Then what will happen? I don't know. But we'll get to see. God wants you and I within this congregation, every church around the world, he wants you and I to totally trust in him and no longer self. So what if you're to suffer with him? That you would suffer in the flesh. It doesn't mean that you're going to physically go to a cross. That'll happen with some Christians. That actually does happen, especially in other countries. Not too much here, not in New York at least. Not yet. By the way, when you're studying Bible prophecy, eschatology, the study of biblical end time events, at some point in time in the future, what we're doing here in this room will be illegal. What we're doing right now, having Bibles, praying in the name of Jesus, especially having Bibles. There's a lot of churches that, that reject Bibles now. Like, oh, we're getting set up for, for tragedy, really. So God himself wants to be that father, this adopted father that we would obey the Spirit of God that lives within us. Let's stand, please. We're going to close because of time here, and then we'll partake of communion. Every first Sunday, we partake of communion as a church family, for those that want to partake with us. But I want to close with a word of prayer. And we'll partake of communion, but I also do want to say as we close that if anybody wants prayer later on for the things that we discuss, or maybe it's to trust Him, or maybe you have those adoption issues or whatever, like how I had, and I still go through sometimes, then you can come forward. We can pray for you later on. I just want to, I don't want to leave that alone. So Father in heaven, thank you for this time. And Lord, we ask that you would please clarify your word in our hearts. We ask God that you could open up our understanding even more. And Father, we thank you that you have adopted us through Jesus, your son, that you send your spirit to come live within us. And you witness to us that we are indeed your child. In the work of your spirit, you want to point out sin. You want to point out righteousness. And you're going to keep us accountable. And we thank you for that. And even as we learn in the book that we call Hebrews, that it proves that when you, when you discipline us, you're trying to disciple us, Lord. You're, you're proving, like we learn in Hebrews, that your father, that you did adopt us. Because you don't leave us alone. It's part of your love. Those whom you love, you chasten. And so, Lord, we welcome your chastening, your exhorting, your rebuking, even if, if that, that's needed at times in our hearts, Lord. We welcome these things, Lord. Have your way within us. But God, we know it's not by our sheer willpower that we could do these things. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Empower us, please, by your Spirit. 
that we would be a, a good adoptive child to you, that we'd be well-pleasing to you, but we know that we can't do it in our strength. We need your strength, your supernatural spiritual strength. Please do that in our lives, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.